The views expressed in this program are those of the participants. Where is she? Fiona's gone. She told one of her friends she was going to see what outside looked like. Oh, I shouldn't have told her. It's my fault. No, don't! Tell Logan! Well, let's go after them. No. You're not coming with me? What good will it do them if we're caught too? Our duty is to stay here and keep our group intact. Why? So you can hide down here forever? Someday the riders will leave. Until then, we're only safe down here. Yes, you're safe. That's all that matters to you. Welcome, everyone. It is Thursday, December 10th, 2020. I'm Bob Metz, and this is Just Right, broadcasting around the world and online. Join us for an hour of discussion that's not right-wing. It's Just Right. Fade into color, color into black and white. Under the bedclothes, everything will be After spending quite some time choosing my topic of discussion for this week, I decided to peruse the daily papers for some inspiration, and what an interesting psychological study it turned out to be, as we shall see right after I encourage you to write us at feedback at justrightmedia.org. Hear us on WBCQ and on Channel 292 Shortwave. Follow and like us on your favorite podcast platform. And of course, visit us at www.justrightmedia.org where you can access all of Just Right's social media links and our archive broadcasts. As always, your financial support is appreciated and is what makes this show possible. On last week's show, with respect to COVID-19, we discussed how fear is the real virus and that altruistic sacrifice is the disease. You might recall that we cited the government's own statistics. The statistics made it clear that were it not for the day-in, day-out, steady drone of mainstream media propaganda about COVID-19, the average person would never know that there was any unusual health problem at all. None of this bodes well for political interests with political agendas, and that's the reason for the mask mandate. Without people wearing masks in public, and without the mainstream media spewing out a flood of false COVID propaganda around the clock, no one would be aware of any crisis. And maintaining a crisis is what is necessary to make the so-called Great Reset possible. It has nothing whatever to do with COVID-19 other than using it and the cult of altruistic sacrifice as a cover for its sinister agenda. And man, if you ever want to see the principle of how altruistic sacrifice is the disease caused by the fear virus, then these letters and editorials will certainly serve as exhibits. First is this one by Licia Corbella, a post-media columnist in Calgary, who on December 1st had a column printed under the headline, Rights Come With Responsibilities to Others wear a mask. And I quote, Rights and responsibilities are two sides of the same coin. One cannot exist without the other. It appears people opposing COVID-19 restrictions have forgotten that. These people spend a lot of time demanding their right to assemble with as many people as they want or not to wear a mask during the deadly COVID-19 pandemic. But you never hear them mention their responsibility to care for others. Your rights have limits because they are linked to your responsibilities to others. 
Sadly, there have been numerous examples of entitled people being asked to wear a mask, teeing off some store clerk making minimum wage. The solution is simple. If you don't want to wear a mask, don't walk into a store where one is required. Stay home or outside, end quote. Well, Corbella then praises Christian churches and groups who have chosen not to assemble. And she writes, Is it tough for churches to close down at Christmas? Of course. Is it their right to remain open? Yes, it is. But sometimes our responsibilities to others are more important than our rights. Protecting the most vulnerable in our society is the right thing to do. Whether it's inconvenient or difficult, it is right. And then, of course, she quotes John D. Rockefeller saying, quote, I believe that the rendering of useful service is the common duty of mankind and that only in the purifying fire of sacrifice is the dross of selfishness consumed and the greatness of the human soul set free, end quote. Holy cow, talk about backward and evil. The rendering of useful service is exactly what our governments are shutting down and controlling. In fact, our politicians have declared most such useful service as non-essential. While it is indisputable that rights and responsibilities cannot be separated from each other, neither can they be separated from the concept of individual freedom, which is the condition that makes both rights and responsibilities possible. A person who is locked up has no rights, no responsibilities, no freedom. Without freedom, neither rights nor responsibilities can be exercised, and thus without freedom, those two terms are meaningless. And if rights come with responsibilities to others, then I would put it to Corbella that her editorial is entirely irresponsible and harmful, because she has a responsibility to others to convey the truth, to convey the facts, and the objective logic and reasoning behind any argument made. All she does is insult. This editorial, like every single pronouncement on COVID that I've ever heard from our politicians, healthcare bureaucrats, and mainstream media, is 100% nothing more than virtue signaling and forcing the evil of altruistic sacrifice upon innocent people. There is not one word of logic, reason, or compassion in her column other than an evil adoration of the purifying fire of sacrifice and the evil of selfishness. But in reality... Rational self-interest is what is virtuous, while sacrifice is always evil, for its very definition means giving up a higher value for a lower value. That is the nature of all sacrifice, and that's the definition of the word. She insults the motives of people she knows nothing about, and it's clear she knows nothing about the nature of, quote, the people opposing COVID-19 restrictions. Quote, these people spend a lot of time demanding their right to assemble with as many people as they want or not wear a mask during the deadly COVID-19 pandemic, but you never hear them mention their responsibility to care for others. End quote. Well, yes, I do. Always at virtually every freedom rally I've watched. I've watched dozens of them from all around the world, and they feature speakers among the most highly qualified and articulate folks on the subject of both viral pandemics and on freedom. Of course, freedom is not a value shared by those on the left. No one has claimed a right to assemble with as many people as they want. The right of assembly requires the consent of every individual who chooses to assemble. No one else is forced to go. What no one has a right to do is to forcibly prevent people from freely assembling. As I explained last week, I have no right whatever to force you to wear a mask and close your business and go on welfare and not be allowed to associate with your friends and family just because I'm afraid of catching some kind of virus. 
to do so would make me guilty of a moral crime and of violating someone else's life, liberty, and property. Three other concepts that those on the left despise. Your rights have limits because they are linked to your responsibilities to others, she mistakenly argues. To act responsibly is to act freely. Rights are not limited by responsibilities, otherwise they couldn't be two sides of the same coin. They would be completely opposing forces. What rights and responsibilities do limit is not each other, but our freedom of action within a social setting, and that freedom of action must always be based on consent, which again requires freedom because it's not possible to consent if you're not free. And it's everyone's responsibility not to violate the life, liberty, and property of others. This applies no matter what existential or metaphysical threat may present itself. Corbella says that people who go into stores are entitled people. Well, yes, they are. They're entitled to their individual freedom, and they're not wearing a mask is the right thing to do. And it's also lawful, by the way. Masks are not healthy by any stretch of the imagination. There's not a single objective study or reference that one can cite where masks actually prevent viral spreads, and there's a mountain of evidence illustrating that masks are useless for that purpose and are harmful to the person wearing them. You may recall Dr. Coleman citing the worldwide increase in bacterial pneumonia caused by mask wearing, along with the deaths of several children caused by the same reason. So here we are. There's no evidence of COVID deaths being an issue with children, and we already do have evidence that masks are a cause of death for the very young. And of course, I've long maintained that forcing children to wear masks is nothing short of child abuse. And by the way, people who don't wear masks in stores are legally entitled to do so. How ironic that the law itself made certain to include medical exemptions as reasons for not wearing masks, which in and of itself would indicate to me that masks are not healthy if sick people can't wear them. And how telling that Corbella should praise Christian religions in particular for shutting down since Christians have been targeted by the left since the beginning of the politically inspired pandemic. And finally, wear a mask, Corbella insists, as evidence of our responsibility to each other. Well, I regard wearing a mask that is useless and a threat to health as being utterly irresponsible, both to the self and to others. You folks walking around with masks covering your faces are a far greater health threat to anyone, including yourself, than are people who don't wear masks. You're breeding all kinds of molds, bacteria, and even possibly the SARS-CoV-2 virus in that mask. It's like wearing a dirty diaper on your face, and folks like Corbella want to force that kind of garbage advice on all of us. Shame on her. And then there's this fascinating article, which while reporting on a tragic event, is also telling as to the veracity of the COVID-19 pandemic. Headline reads, Dad Dies of COVID at 44, from the London Free Press of December 3rd. <clears throat> Martin Halster is believed to be the region's youngest COVID-19 death by Max Martin of the Local Journalism Initiative. And remember, this is the initiative that is fully paid for by the Government of Canada, as we observed from a previous article published via the Local Journalism Initiative. But get this, quote, A 44-year-old Belmont man is being remembered as a devoted husband and father in what's believed to be the region's youngest COVID-19-related death. Denise Clark, a spokesman for the family, said Halster was admitted to LHSC one week before his death after he tested positive for COVID-19. He was admitted to the general ward, then transferred to the ICU. Halster had to be intubated and placed on a heart-lung machine. 
His heart stopped and they couldn't get it started again, Clark said. Halster's family was not allowed to visit him in hospital because of COVID-19 safety protocols. I just wish that people would understand that the next time his wife sees him, it's going to be in a funeral home, Clark said. It's horrible not to be able to go see somebody in the hospital, even to be with them to say goodbye. She said Halstra did have pre-existing conditions. He was an avid mask wearer and championed COVID-19 safety at his work. Since his death, Clark said the Halster family has received an outpouring of support from the local community. It is just overwhelming, Clark said. It so struck home for so many people knowing that they knew someone with COVID-19, end quote. <laughs> wow. Notice the language being used in what's believed to be the region's youngest COVID-19 related death. Not known to be, not confirmed to be, but believed to be. And to what fact is this belief to be attached? To a belief that the death is actually the youngest? Or to a belief that this death is related to COVID-19, quote-unquote? It's clear from the article itself that this person did not die from the SARS-CoV-2 virus. As always, the victim had pre-existing conditions. The article does not give us even a clue as to what those conditions were or what actually caused the death. But if he was put on a ventilator, that was almost as good as a death sentence if, and I stress if, he was placed on that ventilator because of the virus. And if he was wearing a mask all the time, he could have died from bacterial pneumonia, which is what the masks cause. And this is what we're expecting to see in the future. And as Dr. Coleman pointed out last week, they're going to blame that on COVID-19 too, even though it's the mask that's causing it. And if anything should demonstrate that his wearing a mask had no effect on preventing him from acquiring the virus, I mean, this case is it. But here's the punchline. It so struck home for so many people knowing that they knew someone with COVID-19. It seems to me... Practically no one knows of anybody personally who has been seriously ill or died from COVID-19, and that to be able to cite at least this example gives those people a justification for their own irrational fears. But the real tragedy in this story is a consequence of the lockdowns themselves. It's horrible not to be able to go see someone in the hospital, even to be with them to say goodbye. Yes, it is horrible. It is unconscionable. It is immoral. It is sacrifice for the cause of a lesser value. Now, at the close of last week's show, I very briefly mentioned how the real agenda behind the Great Reset was getting underway here in Canada via a military rollout of the so-called COVID-19 vaccine, which is the next sinister and evil step of that agenda. For an update on that development, on this side of our upcoming bumper is Dan Dix from his December 4th Press for Truth report on Operation Vector. And on the return side of the bumper, from her show of the same day, Laura Lynn Tyler Thompson reporting on something that sounds extraordinarily frightening. The establishment of COVID camps. This is what all the masking is preparing us for. This is it, ladies and gentlemen, the unclassified CDS planning directive known as Operation Vector, the Canadian Armed Forces support to COVID-19 vaccine rollout. Here's the situation. This directive is an order that applies to all officers and non-commissioned members of the Canadian Armed Forces. It is intended to initiate detailed planning for the establishment of Operation Vector. 
the CAAF support to the COVID-19 vaccine rollout. This operation will be separate from Operation Laser, but recognizes that there will be overlap at the tactical level. Canada has announced agreements with seven leading vaccine manufacturers to procure enough doses to potentially immunize all Canadians against COVID-19 by the end of 2021. Initial expected shipments of two vaccines from January to March in 2021, known as Track 1, will likely be sufficient to immunize approximately 3 million Canadians. As provinces, territories, and Indigenous communities do not have the required infrastructure or experience to handle these Track 1 vaccines, which must be stored at ultra-cold temperatures, they will be delivered through a federally coordinated strategy led by the Public Health Agency of Canada, or PHAC. The DND and CAF is already providing significant logistical planning and operational coordination support to this effort. Following the track, the, the delivery of Track 1 vaccines, it is anticipated that more typical vaccines involving less supply chain complexity will be introduced. Regional health systems are more accustomed to handling these types of vaccines, suggesting that a decentralized approach is likely for follow-on tracks. And, meanwhile, COVID-19 continues to pose a significant threat to the well-being of Canadians. <laughs> well, no it doesn't. We got like a 99.98% survival rate. In fact, there's only 166 Canadians in all of Canada who has died as a result of being infected with COVID-19. That, that's outside of uh, long care uh, homes. Thousands of nations' citizens are being infected daily. Yeah, case numbers mean nothing. Don't forget that, guys. Healthcare systems are under significant duress, and the CAF is again being called to support vulnerable populations. Feds outline plan to administer first COVID-19 vaccines, launching their dry run next week, guys. The federal government has outlined its initial plans to administer what are being considered Canada's Track 1 COVID vaccines, Pfizer and Moderna, in the coming weeks and months. And this is quite uh, concerning because we're seeing stories like this. World's largest vaccine maker sues a trial volunteer who alleged side effects. A, a, a participant in a COVID-19 vaccine trial has been sued for $13.5 million for defamation. Guys, this person did uh, took a vaccine, a, a COVID-19 trial vaccine, which some would consider to be a brave and noble thing to do. I think it's stupid, but nonetheless, this man did it. He then is suffering neurologically. He's speaking out against that, and the company is suing him for $13.5 million. Perhaps that's why we're also now seeing things like this. Pfizer has just been given protection from legal action by the UK government. The UK government has granted pharmaceutical giant Pfizer a legal indemnity protecting it from being sued, enabling its coronavirus vaccine to be rolled out across the country as early as next week. Do you guys see a, a, a pattern here? Do you see a problem? On that note, I want to remind you, I put this out recently, Pfizer and Moderna contract with Canadian government for eventual mandatory vaccination program. Yes, you read that correctly, ladies and gentlemen. It is my contention that the Canadian government will eventually be making this mandatory. That is the eventual endgame. Uh, I'd also like to point you to this interview I did with Dr. Ron Paul on COVID-19 vaccines, government overreaction, and the importance 
of resisting tyranny. Guys, in this interview, Dr. Ron Paul explains how he was in office during the 1976 swine flu epidemic where more people died from getting the vaccine than they did from actually contracting the flu. I wanted to uh, do a, a share right now, but I have a, a share screen there uh, regarding this article that says Alberta is planning COVID-19 field hospitals for 750 patients, internal document shows. And so this is basically uh, came out today, but it says an internal Alberta government document shows the province has been planning for more than a week to set up indoor field hospitals to treat 750 COVID-19 patients. The Alberta Health Services AHS document dated November 28th and obtained by CBC News details a draft implementation for two or more facilities with 375 beds each in Calgary and Edmonton for patients with mild to moderate symptoms. Okay, I guess one of my questions would be if you have mild to moderate symptoms... What do you need to set up all these beds for? Patients requiring intensive care would remain in city hospitals. The document shows health officials met to discuss the plan on November 23rd. They then toured major sports facilities at the University of Alberta in Edmonton and the University of Calgary on November 24th. The same day, Premier Jason Kenney rejected calls for a provincial lockdown and instead imposed what he referred to as minimum restrictions needed to safeguard the health care system. Those restrictions included a ban on all indoor gatherings and a halting in-person classes for students in grades 7 to 12. Alberta continues to set new daily COVID-19 infection records and leads the country in the number of active cases per capita. Cases, 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 cases going up, cases, oh, drama, you know. If everybody gets herd immunity and they're having, you know, minimal symptoms, several people having absolutely no symptoms, writing about it, they're on social media. Oh, I got COVID. Not, you know, it doesn't feel like anything. Sometimes they have a sniffle. This is what we're getting a vaccine for. You really have to ask yourself why, as Laura Lynn herself did, why they would want to isolate people who have mild to moderate symptoms of COVID-19, whatever those symptoms might actually be, since I've yet to hear any consistency on that count. Everything from a runny nose to a sneeze could get you locked up in one of these camps. And I have to assume those in these camps would be there involuntarily, because if you only have mild symptoms, why would you ever choose to be in an isolation camp with other people who presumably are there for the same reason? Doesn't this sound exactly like how they so successfully treated the thousands who died in long-term care? They stuff them all in the same facility, and then they wonder why a virus would spread so easily and people are dying. It's hard not to believe that this is an intentional culling of the herd, especially when we know that the goal is to make the vaccines mandatory across the board. And quite frankly, the fact that governments everywhere have passed laws protecting the vaccine manufacturers from any liability for injuries or sickness is insane. I recently viewed a video on BitChute entitled Ask the Experts, and I highly recommend that everyone watch it. The half-hour video features 
30-plus experts in the healthcare field from around the world, all warning us not to take the COVID vaccines because they are extraordinarily dangerous and that those who get the vaccine will have no legal recourse should the vaccine cause serious illness, injury, or death. And so far, I understand that the serious side effects from the vaccines tested so far exceed 20%. The people administering the vaccine are telling recipients that they should expect to be quite sick between the first and second injection, which are about three months apart from each other, and during which you still won't have any immunity against the virus. But hey, you have to sacrifice your bodily sovereignty to the greater good, right? Man, how can so many people be so stupid all at one time? Well, let's have a look, shall we? Here's a sampling of letters to the editor from the readers of the London Free Press that are representative of the kinds of comments that I've been seeing appear in that paper for many months now. And I have to assume that these letter writers get their information only from the London Free Press and the mainstream media because they are also universally misinformed. It's hard to explain it in any other way. Remember the quote I cite so often? Ain't so much what people don't know that gets them into trouble, but it's what they do know that ain't so. Well, this is a perfect example of that. Think of others, reads the letter to the editor of December 20th, written by Brian M. Quote, there's a small group who think they'll never get COVID-19, or they won't die from the disease. For those people who think the disease is beyond them, it's not. This disease takes whoever it wants and does not discriminate. Take this from a person who has lost family members this year, including a cousin in Seattle who had no underlying health issues, who spent her last days on a ventilator fighting to stay alive. To the people who think the disease is like a cold, look around you. Look at those people who are following health guidelines and look at those people who, like you, don't want to wear a mask because their rights are more important than the people in hospital fighting for their lives. Think of someone other than yourself for a change, end quote. Jesus. Now, against whom is Brian directing his self-righteous altruism? Fact is, Brian, that 99% of us will never get COVID-19 and die from the disease, and that's based on the official stats. Associating a relative's death who died in Seattle with people who don't mask is so ridiculous I can't even seriously respond to it without being overly insulting to the letter writer. How dare he? Another nut bar who doesn't understand that our rights and freedoms are more important than the people in hospital fighting for their lives. What do those two things have to do with each other? What people? How does my freedom possibly affect anyone in the hospital? Think of someone other than yourself for a change, Brian. You want the whole world to bend to your fears and ignorance and talk about being selfish. You know, all altruism is selfishness in disguise. This one from the December 20th paper, Tiresome Rant, reads the headline. And this is written by J.J. of London. Quote, Regarding the editorial, Canada's COVID rules have to make sense. The continual call for more relaxed safety rules are becoming extremely tiresome. Arguing for relaxed restaurant dining rules because there's no evidence that restaurant dining leads to significant transmission is nonsense. There's plenty of evidence that maskless, non-distanced, Indoor gatherings of all kinds allows transmission amongst attendees, which is then carried to family, workplaces, and other settings to infect many more. There is no evidence or rational reason to believe restaurants are somehow exempt from these consequences. The suggestion that inside restaurant dining should be permitted because people who aren't comfortable with indoor dining can opt to stay home is highly self-centered. For the same reason, 
everyone has a moral and legal obligation to do the things that keep others safe. Rather, I would suggest that people who aren't comfortable obeying the rules should stay home, including the post-media editorial writer, end quote. Well, here's an example of what Jay is objecting to in the editorial he's criticizing, and this is from that editorial, quote, While we encourage a law-abiding society, if a business decides to reopen their patio against the rules, we'd have a tough time blaming them. Because for there to be widespread buy-in when it comes to the rules, those rules have to make sense. Too many rules right now do not. It's been pointed out by the Canadian Federation of Independent Business, among others, that it's unfair to allow big box retailers to sell a whole variety of items but force independent bookstores, clothing shops, and more to shut down. Unfair, yes, also nonsensical, end quote. So obviously the letter writer Jay loves injustice and unfairness. He's also reasoning out of ignorance and misinformation. Jay, there is zero evidence that masks do anything positive in alleviating the spread of any virus. Zero. Find me one. Show me one. Cite one, for heaven's sakes. I've been looking for a year. There are mountains of evidence demonstrating the exact opposite. I'm flooded in them. I have personally yet to see any credible evidence regarding the wearing of masks that would do anything good for anybody. Everyone has a moral and legal obligation to do the things that keep others safe, he says. Well, this is pure BS. And again, altruistic BS to boot. It is no one's obligation to keep anyone safe. If it was, you'd be a complete slave to others for your entire life. It is our obligation not to violate the rights of life, liberty, and property of others. Safety is each individual's responsibility, and to put that responsibility on others is an act of pure selfishness. Your safety comes at the forced expense of others, Jay. Shame on you. Protesters being led, reads a November 28th really weird editorial written by Jeff R. L. of London. Quote, it's a sad irony that the protesters who claim they want their personal freedom, quote-unquote, are the meek followers of a domineering egomaniac who tells them what to think, who to believe, only him, and even what to wear. Why are they not also protesting, having to dress like it's 1720, or not being allowed to think for themselves? At all three recent local protests about masks, those sheep looked immensely unhappy and oppressed, and since they weren't wearing masks, they can't blame it on that. If these COVIDians are so determined to risk their own health as well as that of the rest of us, I think they should have the courage of their beliefs to renounce their access to medical care if and when they get COVID-19 so that the healthcare medical system's resources can go to the people who need it, end quote. Well, I have no idea what this guy is possibly talking about other than virtue signaling his evil philosophy. I have no idea what domineering egomaniac he's referring to, since he names no one, and his description of protesters who want their freedom is the exact opposite of what I've seen with my own eyes daily since this pandemic started. At all three recent local protests about masks, those sheep looked immensely unhappy and oppressed. What? They looked unhappy and oppressed? That's not what I ever see. They are properly angry at the sheer stupidity and injustice of the lockdowns and mask wearing, but these protests include the happiest protesters I've ever seen. And again, the protests are freedom rallies, not anti-mask rallies. No one there is asking you not to wear your own self-destructive mask. Even though that would be the responsible thing to do for others were we to act altruistically on your behalf. As to the healthcare system's resources, 
they are forcibly paid for by the very people you would deny that service to. How can you do something like that? And Jeff, you are a COVID idiot because you've completely swallowed the Kool-Aid on this pandemic. You are utterly clueless as to what the whole thing is all about. Here's another one, November 27th. Pick your rules, says the headline on a letter to the editor written by Robert M. of London. It's not me, folks. <laughs> Quote, I'm getting weary of the anti-restriction protesters. Do they drive on the left side of the road because they feel it's their right to do so? Do they celebrate in a restaurant enjoying a cigarette with their meal? Do the women who wear ankle-length dresses go home and put on miniskirts, which is their right? No, they would be shunned by their communities. These protesters simply cherry-pick what rules they want to follow and what rules to protest. How hypocritical, end quote. <laughs> wow, I really don't know what to say about this one. Miniskirts, Robert? Methinks thou dost protest too embarrassingly. <laughs> Miniskirts and COVID-19, okay. Who could ever make up something that wildly associative? And what's wrong with a woman wearing a miniskirt in her home? Why would the whole community want to shun her? I don't get that. Obviously something going on there we don't know about. But here's a question for you. Why would you possibly be weary of anti-restriction protesters? Well, how, how does that make you weary? The quick answer is that you don't want to be confronted with anyone who might make you think. And I'll have more to say about this later in the show. And by the way, these people are not cherry-picking what rules they want to follow. They are explicitly rejecting evil and unconscionable rules that violate every individual's fundamental freedom. So quit changing the goddamn subject just to deflect from your own inadequacies and countering their arguments. I could say more about the miniskirt thing, but the shortness of your tolerance towards others is far more disturbing than the shortness of a skirt. <laughs> we are at war, reads the letter to the editor of... December 3rd, and this is written by Jane H. Quote, In 1941, St. John, New Brunswick had to turn out lights so that German submarines could not see the shoreline. In the UK, especially England, residents had to go dark at night and send their children to Canada to protect them. Wake up, wear your mask, social distance, you are the enemy. I am at war. Both my husband and I lost our fathers in the Second World War, ages 23 and 25. They fought to protect everyone. People who don't wear masks are self-absorbed and acting as if they have limited intelligence, end quote. Well, this is truly a sad case of letter writing. Here is Jane attesting to the fact that both her husband and she lost their fathers in the Second World War and that they fought to protect everyone. Well, if you believe that for a minute, this is so tragic, it's hard to respond. Because here's the irony. Your fathers fought to protect us from fascism, not from a virus or a physical disease. And here you are, as if to insult their sacrifice to the core by being a willing participant and advocate of what is explicitly fascism, which is exactly what the Great Reset is all about and what all of the forced mask wearing is setting you up for. Wake up, Jane. You are now the enemy of freedom and of everything that a free democracy represents. And yes, we are at war against the very fascism that you are now supporting. And if you think I'm your enemy, think again. Or maybe think for the first time. Here's Polly St. George from her Amazing Polly presentation of November 30. I am sitting by the fire because I need the warmth. The world is increasingly cold. 
and my video today is a plea to people who are wearing masks, even though they know when they stop and let themselves think that what they're doing is wrong. They know they're healthy. They know that the mask is actually making them uncomfortable, that it probably doesn't help, that in fact it hurts. It hurts their own health and it hurts the health of society. My video is directed at those people today, but the ones that still think it's better to just hold your breath, literally, and cooperate and be nice and think of the people who are frightened of this pandemic. The pandemic that has absolutely no outward signs of being real. I could tell you all about how there is study after study out there proving that masks don't work. Study after study out there proving that masks cause long-term damage to your body and especially to the brains of children. It breaks down society. I, I, I could show you all of that, but that's not what I'm going to do today. What I want to do today is appeal to your inner self, your higher virtue, your common sense. And when you wear masks just to be nice, just to go along, you're training everybody. You're training the next generation. And therefore, the controllers, the ones that know all of these experiments and understand human nature because it's been their whole job for 70, 80, 100 years to study human nature, they, they will count on you to train the next generation. There won't even have to be a law or a rule. It's just what people do. We just wear masks for some reason. We don't get to see each other's faces. We don't get to breathe healthy air. We stew in our own juices. We compromise our immune system. You see why they're not bringing in actual laws about this? They don't need to. You will train the next generation. And you might be saying to yourself, well, no, no, listen, there is a bad virus and people have a right to be safe from it. You might be thinking that way in a collectivized hive mind mindset. You think to yourself, well, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know what to believe. So better safe than sorry. Plus, it's really just no big deal to me. I'll just slap on this mask when I run into the store. That way I don't have to argue with anyone. That way the people who really are scared aren't scared of me. Yada, yada, yada. This is what you're saying to yourself, I know. But what about the people who aren't scared? The people who know the facts? Don't we get any shake in this society anymore? Are we going to just change everything we do to please people who are afraid of XYZ? What's next? What else will you do for people who are afraid? And so therefore, when I see people wearing masks who I know are only wearing masks because, ah, uh, well, it's no big deal for me to slap a mask on. And then it's easier for me because nobody looks at me funny. Plus, I can use this handy excuse of I'm actually helping other people deal with their own fear. You are building a whole society 
based on cowardice and lies. And how do you think your children will fare in a world like that? All right. I want to end uh, by turning this around. I want you guys who are wearing masks just to go along to get along because you think somehow it's going to reverse itself without you even trying. Like somehow magically they're going to take masks away if you just continue to wear them. No, it's up to you. You, you take the mask away, okay? Each one of us takes the masks away. You don't have to be the guy alone, the first guy that goes into a store and is the only one without a mask. People like me will be that guy because I got armadillo skin. I don't care. I mean, don't get me wrong. It still feels nerve-wracking at times, for me even. But you don't have to be the first guy. You can be the second guy. Next time you see someone without a mask on, take yours off. Try it. Because otherwise, you're just leading us down the road to, uh, I'm just going to get a vaccine uh, to go along and be a sport. And soon enough, you're going to hang the people who want free choice about their own bodies. You're going to hang us all out to dry. Just because you think you're doing some nice guy thing. And it starts with the masks. They're going to gauge whether or not they have the numbers to make you stand up at the tone for no reason. And they won't have to make a rule. Because all of you people who go along just to avoid confrontation, you are the force that will imperil freedom for everyone else. And I resent that. So next time you think you're being a good guy by wearing a mask because you're just allaying the fears of all the fearful people, well, you've forgotten about a group of people. And that's people like me who are brave enough, bold enough, and strong enough to resist that force that you caved into. And believe me, you don't want a world without us. We're the only ones standing in between you and complete tyranny. so good to breathe some fresh air. I don't know why these volsangs would want to bother you here. What could this little island possibly have to interest a bunch of savages? Well, the volsangs are nothing if not thorough. They would have come no matter what. And all we can do when and if the time comes is try to appease them. Where I come from, that never works. It's better to fight than to give in. Well, maybe you're just braver than I am. I don't want you to leave, Maggie. This is your home, James, not mine. You'll be running from place to place, always looking behind you, never knowing where you'll find yourself the next day. It's my choice. Things are going to change here very soon, Maggie. 
but I will always be in a position to offer you a place of safety. There's a kind of serenity here you'd never know. I'm sure of it. We've all found it. So can you. Reclaim your own life, Maggie. I have my own life. And I choose not to give it up. You are listening to Just Right, broadcasting around the world and online. That was quite a powerful plea from Pauly St. George. There was an important part of her original presentation that I was unable to include in our audio bite because it was largely visual. But it accounts for her comment about, quote-unquote, standing up at the tone for no reason. She was referring to a famous video in which perhaps a half dozen patients are seen sitting in a doctor's waiting room, ostensibly waiting to be called upon by their doctor. However, all of the people but one, a young girl sitting on one of the chairs in the room, are actors, and the young girl is the subject of an experiment. Every few moments, a tone would ring in the room, and all of the actors would briefly rise from their seats and then again sit down. At first, the young girl did not follow suit, but then as more tones were sounded and all the actors all rose and receded, she started doing the same. Then eventually, one by one, each of the actors was called out of the waiting room until the young girl, the subject of the experiment, was left alone in the room. And sure enough, when the tone again sounded, she rose and receded, even though she had no clue why she was even doing it. Now, I have to admit that I've seen this video a few times, and that was the point at which it usually ended. But not so with the version played on The Amazing Polly, because that was only the first part of the experiment. So now we see the subject sitting in the room by herself, and suddenly other patients enter the waiting room, but these are real people, not actors. After the first one seated, he hears the tone and observes the girl rising and receding. He remains seated. Then a second tone. She stands up and then sits down again, and this time the other patient in the room asks her, why is she doing that? She explains that that's what all the previous patients waiting were doing, and that's why she's doing it. And sure enough, the next thing you know, both of them are standing up and reseating every time they hear the tone. And as more real patients enter the waiting room, they all follow suit. And this is exactly the phenomenon that we are all witnessing with regard to the COVID-19 fraud. The mainstream media and establishment's COVID narrative is, in effect, the tone that was sounded in the doctor's office. The compliance with regard to wearing masks and distancing is the parallel to everyone standing and sitting in the doctor's office for no good reason. I realize that this scenario is totally lost on those who don't even know what this whole pandemic's really all about. The people who actually believe it's about a viral disease. It is not. But that's not something I can convince anybody of unless they arrive at that conclusion by themselves by thinking it through on their own and then having the courage to accept their own judgment. And that's where I see a lot of people screwing up. Sometimes their own judgments bring them to conclusions that they cannot bring themselves to believe. So they assume that, well, somebody else knows more than they do. And so they completely defer to authority. So, still thinking about getting a vaccination? On this side of our final bumper of the day, from Fox News on December 2nd with Laura Ingram, and on the return side, Frank Vaughn from his YouTube show of December 3rd. June of this year, a book titled Corona, False Alarm, exploded in Germany, became an instant bestseller. It asked a simple question, is COVID panic worse than the disease? The controversial co-author of this book, 
uh, Corona False Alarm Facts and Figures, joins us now, award-winning researcher, retired microbiologist, Dr. Sukrit Bakadi. Uh, doctor, thank you for getting up early for all of us, for uh, all these policies, lockdowns, social distancing. Uh, which, in your view, has been the most injurious to the public and not suited to the science? The looming vaccination. The va so the vaccination, well, so on the issue of the vaccination, we'll get to that in a moment. But on the social distancing and the masks, just focusing on that for a moment, which of those two in your research and your work has been the most bis displaced? Both. Both have. Not, not at all Point. backed up by the science. Zero science. So why, why are they pushing this if zero science? I mean, they'll, they'll show videos of people coughing through masks and without masks, and it's terrifying well, people here in the something, country. This is something that we, and when I say we, it's um, hundreds and thousands of people are standing up to say, please, all of you, sit down and think about this, read up on this, and then make up your own mind. Don't believe things that people are telling you. Think for yourself and come to your own conclusions. That is why we wrote this book, because all the arguments saying, telling you why what you are doing is absolutely nonsense is in that book. And there's no question that is left open to you. All you have to do is go and read and think. And doctor, on the issue of the vaccine, tonight, Anthony Fauci uh, on this network actually said that 75% of Americans are going to have to get vaccinated to reach what they call herd immunity. Do you buy that? What utter nonsense. I know that Dr. Fauci is a, a renowned uh, immunologist. medical scientist and immunologist, but what he says has to be wrong. And this is also what we have taken great lengths to explain in the book. You know, someone who says this has not the slightest inkling of the basics of immunology. And this is very, very surprising for someone of Dr. Fauci's standing. And I would dare to defy him anywhere in the world at any time. Well, so you believe that the COVID vaccine is not necessary? I think it's downright dangerous. And I warn you, if you go along these lines, you are going to go to your doom. And it's so, so unnecessary. a lot of these people they exist they actually think the state has their interests in mind and has the best track record i remember a conversation i had some months ago with an individual who said frank stop being paranoid the government's not out to get you they're not out to kill you they're the only ar honest arbiters in this country it's the corporations and the rich individuals who are coming after you as if the corporations and rich individuals don't place the government in power this idea that should just be trusted partly i think comes from the death of god in people's lives, the death of a greater. We've lost connection with something ephemeral, something beyond ourselves, something ethereal, something that you can't physically touch. 
a concept, a philosophy, a, a state of being, a way of referencing the world. We've lost it, and we've replaced it with trust and obedience in government and media. So I was uh, watching a video by Michelle Rempel this morning. There's a, there's a channel of debate. There's a, a channel of, an, of uh, informed conversation that dominates in politics. Right now it's all centered around a vaccine. And Michelle Rempel's message, I'm paraphrasing, but was basically shut up and get your jab. Because if you don't get your jab, we're not going to get back to normal. And Aaron O'Toole is up there, and all he wants to talk about is the vaccine. And the government, all they want to talk about is the vaccine. And our state media, all they want to talk about is the vaccine. The necessity of you getting it, the rollout, how quickly it can get to the public, how we can assure that everybody gets this jab. This jab that's been developed far faster than it should have been. You've heard the content on my channel when I talked to virologists. I talked to people who worked on and at level four biosecurity labs. We are rushing a vaccine, jumping over regulatory requirements to get this thing out to the public as fast as possible. It's for an RNA virus. It's going to be about as effective as the flu shot. So right now they're really pushing, get your jab, get your jab, get your jab. But I predict that they're going to roll the vaccine out. They're going to get everybody to get the jab. They're going to put Obama and Boris Johnson and Trudeau. They're going to go on. Everybody, all the world leaders are going to go on TV and they're going to get the jab live. Everybody's going to get their jab. And once they get it, the next step will be, well, it's not as effective as we thought. You're going to have to get it every year, just like the flu shot. Now, we already know from their own studies that the flu shot is little more effective than a placebo. The next thing I'm going to say is anecdotal, and that is that all the people I know who get their flu jab get sick every year. What's the point? And in the journals, the actual numbers, they say it's a little better than a placebo. Why? Because the flu changes so much. An RNA vaccine for COVID-19 is likely not to be effective at all. It'll become a staple, a yearly that you have to go and get. It'll make a whole pile of people, a whole pile of money. <clears throat> and I'm not going to sit here and I'm not going to tell you that they're going to put tracking chips in it and they're going to do all this, this stuff. There are some serious questions about the type of vaccine that it is. I don't want it. I don't want a vaccine that's been rushed. It's not worth the risk to me. Just like the flu shot is not worth the risk to me. I don't need it. I'll take the flu. I have an immune system. It needs exercise. We all have immune systems that need to be worked. We need to get colds. We need to get the flu. It's good to avoid things like measles. I've had every other vaccination, folks. I don't care what you do. You don't want to let me get on a plane again? I won't fly again. You don't want to let me go into a movie theater again? I won't go into a movie theater again. You want to starve me out? You can do that. I'm not taking that vaccine. Forget it. It's not necessary. I don't want it. And there's no such thing as get the vaccine and then you get your freedom back because that's the messaging that's coming out of our politicians and media too. The only way is to achieve complete immunity and the only way to do that is to assure that everybody who can gets a COVID vaccine. You don't get your freedoms back. No one has the right to give them back to you. They didn't have the right to take them in the first place. You have natural human rights. But the problem is the vast majority of the public is on board with it. I have a friend that I'd love to see, but their spouse has been hiding in their shell since this all began, and they are still afraid to come out. Even with all the evidence, the survival rates, everything that goes on, they've completely given up their life. Here's another letter to the editor that appeared in the London Free Press on December 1st under the heading, No Excuse. Quote, this past Saturday, I stopped to grab some takeout. 
I was disappointed by the two older customers who put the staff and other customers at risk because they chose to disregard the COVID-19 protocols. It was not something I expected from people in St. Thomas, especially people in the 50-plus age group. The Public Health Service is doing a great job of education and awareness. Every shop and business has safety notifications on their entrances. The time for education is over. We need to start finding people who refuse to follow COVID-19 protocols, especially those who put frontline workers at risk. Those two older people do not seem to care about their community. They chose to enter the shop without masks, thus bullying the young staff. Their actions are shameful. End quote. And that was from Leon S. of St. Thomas. And to believe that the public health service is doing a great job of education is to believe a falsehood. The education Leon refers to has nothing to do with acquiring knowledge about a subject or discipline, but about being ordered around by politicians and bureaucrats who have no right to do so, legal or not. A thief ordering his victim to hand over his wallet or he'll shoot him is not education. It's an explicit threat of violence and force as in criminal, and that is the education that Leon is praising. Leon says the time for education is over, meaning it's time to use force and dictatorship. Of course he would. He doesn't want to be confronted with the possibility that the narrative ruling his life may be false, so he projects his own thuggery onto others. They chose to enter the shop without masks, thus bullying the young staff, says Leon. This bullying argument I've run across so many times from the left that I've lost count. Unable to confront the ideas and evidence with which they're presented, the left always hurls accusations of bullying against anyone who tries to get them to rationally and morally justify their actions. Just as with an earlier letter writer saying that he was weary of anti-restriction protesters, the bullying charge is evidence that those people don't want to be confronted with anyone who might make them think. Fearing the light of knowledge, they instead embrace the darkness of ignorance and falsehood. And if I sounded harsh towards a number of the letter writers and editorialists on today's show, well, good. I meant to be. As Ayn Rand constantly insisted, one must always pronounce moral judgment. And that's exactly what all of these virtue signalers and altruistic sacrificers are doing to people like me. If it's a shaming game they want, well, yeah, I can play that. And they'll lose every time because they are ignorant in the extreme, meaning that they're in a state of knowing things that ain't so. You know, there's an ignorance of simply not knowing something, and there's the ignorance of knowing falsehoods. Replacing false knowledge with true knowledge is a far more difficult task than simply conferring truth on those still open to it. And that's the simplest way that I can describe the epistemological challenge before us. But hey, we're all in this together, right? And we'll see you next week when you can join us once again to continue our journey in the right direction. And until then, be right, stay right, do right, act right, think right, and be right back here. We'll see you then. Fade into color, color into black and white. I think what the coronavirus has done in this country is really exposed the true pandemic that we have in America, and that's stupidity. It's really... There's an epidemic of dumb in this country, and it's exposed that big time. And I say that because they did a survey uh, of beer drinkers. And 38% of people they surveyed right now in no way 
will buy Corona beer. Because they think Corona beer is the reason for the coronavirus. <laughs> oh my God.